Welcome to Unlocking Innovation, a podcast from EX3 Labs in 1871. We'll be talking to leaders in innovation about what keeps them ahead of the curve in today's atmosphere of rapid change and how they cultivate a culture of innovation within their organizations. I'm your host, Adam Wisniewski. So today's guest is Giovanni Battistini. Giovanni is currently the Senior Vice President of Open Innovation Science at Ferrero. You probably know Ferrero for their iconic products like Nutella, Ferrero Rocher, and Tic Tacs. Today we're going to be talking about the company's innovation strategy, what keeps them constantly evolving, and what techniques have led to specific projects like Hazelnut Computer. Thanks for being here today, Giovanni. My pleasure, Adam. Thank you for having me. So, Definitely interested about your career journey. Uh, would you mind just taking a, l- a moment just to describe um, your background and how you got to where your current role is today? Well, uh, yeah, Adam, uh, probably uh, as many of um, many other innovation professionals, I, we, I consider my career a little bit atypical um, and uh, not necessarily they follow a straight line uh, because uh, I um, because you start one way and then you evolve uh, and that's part of the innovation uh, the, the innovation game I guess uh, so I, started, I actually started my career designing solar systems and uh, uh, I've done uh, intrapreneurial work for uh, large corporations in the technology space especially in the enterprise automation uh, front uh, ABB uh, was the last company I worked for, um, and uh, when uh, when uh, at the end of the nineties I, I I got the I caught the entrepreneurial bug, and I decided to uh, parachute myself into startup world, and I have done a lot of uh, uh, interesting um, uh, entrepreneurial. Uh, activities in in most in the tech space, um, you, know, you know, as a co-founder, as a man, part of a management team of startups, uh, uh, consulting for VCs, um, investing for a corporate investment fund, uh, uh, a corporate venture fund, uh, managing creator for First of Arizona, span off a company. Uh, for on um, uh, you know AI based AI powered um, uh, knowledge management, and uh, I kind of rejoined the uh, the corporate world uh, where uh, Firminich, uh, which is a global leader in uh, uh, fragrances and flavors, uh, one of the top three players in the world. Uh, was, uh, it might be crazy enough to hire somebody with my profile to actually do an internal, uh, an internal startup, which is really starting a new business focused on uh, kind of open innovation uh, with uh, uh, basically using and leveraging and, 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 uh, and augmenting innovation coming from partnerships to build uh, a business around taste modulation. It was extremely successful. In five years, we, we went to zero uh, to a significant amount of, of the growth of uh, uh, the flavor division. And, uh, um, and 
at the end of the five years, I was actually managed there, both uh, not only the business units were uh, running this they had built, but also uh, managing global discovery um, uh, for for flavor innovation, uh, and so looking for new new opportunities and, and starting new opportunities around the world that could be adjacent spaces where the company could uh, 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 could start new businesses. Um, and then I got intrigued by Ferrero, uh, and uh, and uh, I started this uh, this. Uh, uh, this new this new position this new venture uh, and and uh, which is again a, a, a little bit different uh, from my, what I've done in the past. Uh, this is first of all the first time I work for a CPG company, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, the concept uh, that Ferrero asked me to uh, to to, uh, to to evolve on is uh, the concept of uh, using open innovation. Uh, Focus on science and technology to um, uh, to basically influence uh, and uh, the, the internal uh, development and innovation plans for Ferrero for for Ferrero for new products. So my job is really to look look for manage it. I build a team, a global team that looks for innovation around the world in science and technology that can be potentially disruptive and uh, impactful for Ferrero and, and uh, uh, integrate it into Ferrero and, uh, and, and get, get it adopted. So it's more of a kind of a technology push that combines well with what Ferrero has done extremely well uh, for many years, which really uh, a product to science. So from an idea of a product, go out and look for the science that's necessary. Uh, I'm kind of grinding in the other way around with a science to product approach. So, from, you know, what can I do with the science and how that can be impactful? And so what my team does is um, uh, build not only exploring scouts, but builds pilots, proof of concepts, works well uh, a lot with external innovators in the startup world, on, uh, in the university world, in, uh, STEM, in, in, in conventional suppliers even. And uh, to 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 generate this type of uh, of of new impact. Fantastic, and thank you for sharing that background. I think that's extremely insightful. And I'm I'm curious, what drew you to the CPG and confection space? Well, I think uh, first of all, um, well, as I said before, this is my first time. I've been, uh, you know, um, uh, you know. This is the first time I really work on it in a CPG company, so clearly uh, was very intrigued and interested in in getting this experience. Uh, second, I think uh, the power of Ferrero Ferrero brands and and the the kind of unique culture and the values that Ferrero has were very much aligned with uh, what I wanted to build. I think there is a when you work for a CPG company and innovate or help them innovate, uh, is uh, you have an um, a incredible opportunity to generate uh, impact uh, that, uh, that is, you know, uh, that probably doesn't have uh, um, uh, comparables uh, in, in, other, in, other, um, in other jobs. So that, that's kind of what drew me. I think that the, uh, you know, if you align this with the strong values that Ferrero has about... Uh, uh, sustainability and uh, quality uh, combined with the brands that I grew up with uh, as a kid, I think that, that, that sums it up. So one of the things that um, I'm sure that 
listeners are interested in, in knowing about specifically as it relates to your role is, is how you cultivate that culture of innovation at Ferrero. Are, are there specific strategies or tactics that you can kind of share to help um, uh, the listeners understand what, what uh, has worked for you? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, the, there are, um, first of all, it, it's, it's very important in this type of uh, ventures, internal ventures, kind of, uh, um, uh, kind of change uh, management venture as well. That, that it's very important to have uh, full, um, full support from the top, which is something that uh, um, for I have from Ferrero, so that's a, that's a uh, that's a, uh, absolutely number one requirement. Is really want if you if you really want to be impactful in this type of positions. Now the, the you know I don't have Ferrero has its own uh, obviously culture, very uh, has a strong innovation culture, um, and it's a culture that is focused on. A, uh, innovation, innovating through, um, you know, becoming a category leader. Uh, Ferrero had a strong history of becoming a category leader, and there is a good reason why they were able to do that. Uh, you know, with uh, so they, they do have their own strong culture of innovation. So anytime uh, you, you, uh, you 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 work in a role like mine, you obviously have to think, uh, you know. How do you how you can best fit in that culture? You cannot uh, you cannot work against the culture. You need to work within the culture, and and you need to work at the edges of the culture if you want to you know if you want to push the boundaries, right? Because that's that's kind of our role. So uh, <laughs> that that is uh, uh, that is a, 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 that is very important. Now in in my role, it's uh, it's um, you know you what I discover obviously is that um, what Probably I knew already, uh, you know, from other experience. But it's always different when you when you get into a new company. It's uh, um, the, 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 it's not uh, easy for co- large corporations like Ferrero, who you know were born as as every company is a startup. After many decades, forget that. <laughs> Of uh, uh, they, they were startup themselves. Obviously, that's normal, right. and it's very difficult to um, very often uh, get be the buffer, the cultural mindset buffer between a large corporation and the startups we interact with. And uh, you need to work on both sides, right? There's an expectation sometimes from the large corporation and startups that that cannot be met necessarily. So that it, it, it's very important to work on, you know. The, the you know and making sure you you facilitate that you facilitate that 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 communication and interaction which is part of the job and you know and that means that you need to find the balance one of the things that for example I learned in in at Ferrero is that you know we look at hundreds of, of, of opportunities out there and you know and because that's our job right and it's like if you start providing visibility, um, and transparency over hundreds of opportunities to the rest of the state, internal stakeholder innovation. Uh, you, you, you know, it's uh, it's it's way too much, right? You mm-hmm. you want to bring them in at the time where you feel you have enough of a proof of concept of a pilot that you can really uh, guide them through the adoption. That's a very important uh, 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 thing that I learn and, and I learn by adjusting um, in, uh, because every company is different, obviously, and you need to actually adjust. But that's very, so we invest a lot of uh, uh, 
time and effort and money in building uh, the, the right proof of concept pilots that not only proves to us that the technology can work and, uh, and, and lets us understand how it works, but also helps us, uh, you know, show how the technology can be used because we are a technology push game, right? And so it's very important because it allows us to cross the chasm between, you know, the old adopters, which, are, which is us, basically, inside the company, and the, uh, and, uh, uh, and the mainstream uh, innovation within Ferrero. So it's, it's always about crossing the chasm, right, just to go back to Jeffrey Moore. I love that. And Giovanni, you mentioned a couple of things that I think are, are so spot on for innovation, especially um, w- when large corporations are looking to act and operate much more like a startup. The concept of a, a pilot or a proof of concept, can you kind of double click into the, the process of how you view pilots from a, a timing perspective, um, how you leverage proof of concepts to experiment and iterate um, in terms of getting to that end result? Yeah, we, we, if, it, if you're okay, anyway, I can tell you a little bit about how we actually even get to the selection of those proof of concepts and what to invest, because always, you know, when you do innovation, you, you do need to, uh, like Bionic Solution would say, invest like an entrepreneur. I'm absolutely a subscriber of that. It's really, it's really think about the portfolio uh, investment. Uh, and, and so we manage, uh, we have a, you know, pretty good process in place that allows us, first of all, as a global team to share a common language and a common way of approaching this type of choices. So we start from a, a preparation where we look at opportunity areas, uh, which is the hunting ground where we actually look for, um, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, intersection between innovation trends, ecosystem trends, look at business priorities or Ferrero, define around the intersection of the three sets, you know, what we call opportunity area. Then we, we start scouting this uh, in the opportunity. We look at, as I said, hundreds of opportunities. We map about uh, 30% of them against, uh, uh, a, you know, a, a tool that we built internally that, uh, uh, that measure basically in a very high level potential impact versus feasibility or, or versus maturity, if you want, of the technology. Uh, we, calculate what we call the return of the future that allows us to prioritize and basically measures uh, allows us to make uh, to uh, allows us to be fundamentally make choices that favor uh, if if we have to take high risk projects uh, or and we want to make sure the impact is commensurate uh, to that that so the high return high risk type of projects are okay uh, low risk, higher return are okay as well. Obviously, even better. But but then uh, we play the game. We want to make sure that you don't take any of of those uh, uh, of those high risk, low return type of projects because that that that's why if you had the right metrics that allows you to measure that, we I mean, believe you you're going to have a good balanced portfolio. Uh, and of course, you're going to fail several times. So you're going to you're going to you're going to have overall uh, more wins than 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 losses, and you're going to have a good good innovation uh, return. Then then out of based on this, we, we 
select, let's say, 5% of those opportunities, we advance them to what we call the evaluation stage. And, and this is where we are really, maybe we've done already some interesting uh, early stage proof of concept and prototypes. We really like to test the technology as early as we can. But when we really start doing, uh, spending a little bit more money is where we, um, in this phase, and where, where we uh, tend to look, we, don't, we, 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 we like to have proof of concept that are no longer than, you know, three to six months, uh, shorter if possible. Uh, and we like to iterate. We like to focus on the weakest link first. So what is the, uh, what is the, 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 the absolute uh, most critical item in this technology? We want to make sure that if it fails, whether it's value proposition-wise or, or technology-wise, then we know we have to kill the opportunity. Let's not waste our time, right? So it's very important for us. And then as you evolve uh, the understanding uh, of the technology, and maybe you need to do a couple of iterations, you actually, you know, also start building what is a proof of concept more oriented to uh, what our customers, our internal customers will want. So really focus on also how to use this technology. So if it's a new ingredient, uh, start thinking about, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Put together a chocolate bar or a spread that that shows, or maybe something that that shows the power of this new ingredient. Right? That's a, that's a you know, typical example. But and we work sometimes with internal labs, or sometimes with external labs in order to do that. And you know, if it's uh, if it's something we want to learn ourselves, I'd rather use internal labs because it's it's, it's uh, uh, we have incredible competence as long as I inside Ferrero. So I want to learn leverage our expertise, and uh, if I don't waste their time, obviously, uh, it's, it's much better if I do that, and that creates a uh, more internal traction as well, and, and I, can, I can get much better uh, feedback on that. But if I have to use uh, uh, some external labs for certain reasons, because either uh, the technology is too early I don't, uh, and, and I really want to make sure I don't, you know, I don't abuse that, uh, competition at the same time internally, that, that's fine too, and, and, and that's, that's what we sometimes do. But that's kind of a word. And then, and then in the end, you, we basically end up uh, creating what we call the leverage proposal, which is a combination of this final proof of concept that shows not only that technology works, if it works, and, that, uh, that, uh, and how to use it, but also, and, and combined with a with a with a with a with a business case, right? Something that at a very le- high level can tell us a new type of return of future, but can tell us, you know, basically in this case is IRR discounted by technical and market rates is a complicated formula we created that, that but gives us same same concept, right? You, you know, even if it's this is high risk, uh, you know, IRR potential is very high, so we should go for it because. We might fail, but you know, if we don't fail, high returns are, in, 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 are, are, are possible. So that, that's kind of how we reason and 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 and, and, uh, and how the process works. I hope I, I answered your question. Absolutely, and I want to deep dive into a couple areas that you mentioned. The sheer volume of the number of ideas that come in. You mentioned a hundred, and it, obviously it it. Um, gets filtered down to about 5% of those opportunities that get selected, but 100 ideas for the average company, even a large size company, could potentially seem overwhelming. I love the fact that uh, you all produce that many ideas. You mentioned external 
an internal lab. So it sounds like it's a combination of that from, from an idea sourcing perspective that some of those are getting developed internally, but you're also potentially relying on some partnerships to, to source some of those ideas. Is that accurate? Yeah, when we're talking about opportunities, we're really talking about external opportunities. We call them opportunities because uh, um, we, you know, it's a general, they're not projects, right? These are opportunities, so first of all, and there's a tendency to abuse sometimes the word projects. Is there, uh, Second, the, the opportunity itself very often, yes, is uh, tied up to a specific maybe startup, external innovator outside, uh, but what happens that we, we, we find out uh, constantly that what happens is that sometimes it's a, a declination of that startup technology that we are interested in. So it's not just the, what the, the startup is, as I said, but it's what the startup does in a specific area that applied to a certain area can actually deliver value. That's why we call it opportunity. Uh, what we like best and what we, I think, is uh, our opportunity to add value to the process is where we actually combine uh, our own knowledge with uh, multiple opportunities and maybe sometimes connect the dots. And from three opportunities, we actually combine them into one that is much more powerful than any separate ones, any anyone uh, taken, uh, taken separately. And, and that... That is where uh, we have a few examples of those that uh, hopefully will be successful in the, uh, in the world. And, and that's where I think you get uh, uh, sometimes the best, but not necessarily. I mean, we, you know, sometimes we've been, you know, just working with uh, a, an external innovator, a startup, and, and, and uh, sometimes we work with uh, a, a university and, uh, and a, a, a researcher who has... Uh, some great ideas that we think we want to fund and, and, and work with, and these are more sometimes longer term. Uh, so it, it, we call them opportunities because they move all, all over the places, all over our map. I told you we map them. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think that something is low impact and maybe is higher impact the more you, you, uh, you understand, or too low, actually, to actually spend time on it. So that... that uh, that combined with the metric that we calculate allows us to actually prioritize in the end, right? It's like, okay, I know, I get it. We have, you know, you know some some of the opportunities we just say, hey, these don't matter. They don't. They're not comply with our priorities. We don't. We don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, we shouldn't care about it. Or it's too early or whatever. Uh, other ones they say this is interesting, and you start spending more time on it, and you start combining and think, and then what you know. If the return of the future is right and we feel that we're getting to that point, that's when we really start really focusing on the – that's where that 5%. You, you, I don't think you can manage more than that. I think there is a lot of great stuff out there, uh, but you need to be selective. And you need to have criteria in order to be selective. And we focus – we spend a lot of time defining those criteria, our roadmaps, what are the priorities, what do we care about. At the same time, you want to have a little bit – of uh, open mind so that you are not only looking for what you know, but you're open to, you know, the unknown unknown. You said something, oh, this is interesting. I didn't think about it. Maybe we should change something like you. So that, that's, that's kind of our game. That's what we're trying to play. Fantastic. We've had a lot of innovation leads as guests on Unlocking Innovation. You're the first that actually has open innovation actually within your title. 
Can you talk a little bit about open innovation um, and as a concept and, and what it is that you like about it? Well, yeah, absolutely. I, there is a lot of innovation, open innovation models out there. So everybody has their own idea of open innovation. Reality open innovation is a lot of things, and, and, and anybody can have its own model. And, uh, and I, I think for, for, uh, for Ferrero, uh, open innovation is what, uh, what, I, what I described before is, you know, it, they are interesting in, uh, in uh, you know, understanding uh, where science and technology is going in what there are so many innovators out there in adjacent spaces, in same spaces, and you know, industries that or, or spaces that, that are far away from us, they might actually have a strong impact, right, on, 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 on what we do. And, and so, you know, that, that's what the, you know, the, 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 the model for Ferrero is about really to focus on that type of open innovation. And open innovation means basic external innovation. I mean, it's like I actually don't, not particularly fond of the term innovation uh, myself uh, too much. Is that there's too much talk about innovation these days? It's probably better to talk about growth. Absolutely. Uh, but is but is uh, uh, because that's what innovation is about, right? It's not invention. It's really about innovation. Then you know, it's invention that becomes that is impactful and, and generates some sort of growth. And so. It, 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 I mean, it, the reality is, you know, the world is, world is changing so fast out there in so many different directions, and there are so many brilliant people out there that even if you're a leader in innovation and you've been successful in doing that for many, many years, uh, you you know, it's today is impossible just to do it by yourself. You know, but you, you might actually miss... Uh, miss the train a few times. You might not see uh, what uh, what can hit you and and, and disrupt you. Uh, you know, it's it's just moving too fast to do it alone. I mean, the closed model is no longer uh, is no longer possible, and you do need to have a, an open innovation strategy from that perspective. You know, uh, some companies uh, like to do it in a different way. They had their own. Corporate venture fund, for example, and they are investing in external innovation. Uh, some companies decide to do one-to-one type of open innovation, and they, you know they they do R and D collaboration, which is you know great. You know, models been you know we didn't call it more open innovation, but it was that was what was, what was about you joint competencies, right? And and then uh, and then there are the other crowdsourcing, another good example, and there's others out there. Perfect. Yeah. So we mentioned the hazelnut computer during the intro, and for the listeners who aren't familiar with that project, can you can you describe it? Uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. It's a, yeah, we call it hazelnut computer uh, because it actually literally is a computer around the hazelnut uh, and a hazelnut tree. And uh, so it's a we came across the Open Agri Cultural Initiative, Open Agri Initiative at the MIT Media Lab. We are we are members of the MIT Media Lab, so we uh, we 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 like the place. It's a great place to get new ideas and be inspired and and, and start new things. But the the um, uh, Caleb Hopper he uh, he started this concept that really was uh, very intriguing uh, in uh, because agriculture is such a. Uh, uh, 
inherently slow process. Um, is if you find a way to parallelize um, research experiments on a crop, you can actually uh, leverage, and if you do that in an open data platform, you can actually find a way to make progress much faster. That's kind of a concept. I mean, obviously, there is much more in, into the open agri in, in initiative, but that's, that's kind of a concept that catches my attention. Uh, and um, if you think of Ferrero, Ferrero is... You know, for many aspects, could be described as a um, agricultural company with uh, a CPG front end. We're really very strong on the raw materials, where we're sourcing, how we're selecting the quality, and hazelnut is a is a is a critical crop for us because it's uh, present in so many different products and has a signature profile for us. And the way we select hazelnuts based on the quality, the way we uh, we roast them, and the way we we embed them into our products is really what our value added is. And so, hazelnut is very, very, very core. But if uh, um, if uh, if you look at hazelnut, uh, we, we 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 buy a lot of hazelnut, a, a very, very large uh, share of the hazelnut worldwide. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you look at hazelnut as a as a as a crop, it's not very well understood. The science is not very un understood. It's very uh, poor. Uh, scientific knowledge compared to other crops like almonds or cocoa, for example, that are you know also important, but you know not not as critical for Ferrero. So, um, in, you know, it, we we thought that this would be a great platform, that the Open Agri uh, platform, which is basically building this uh, what uh, Caleb called a food computer, a fully controlled environment, fully open source. Uh, hardware and software, fully open data, where you can control every single uh, variable in of the of the what he calls the weather and environment recipe. So you can control temperature, humidity, nutrients, uh, uh, light, and you can measure everything in you know that that's going on with the with the plant. Uh, and you share that on an open data platform, you can use those data to generate a lot of knowledge and share a lot of knowledge. So we, we talked to, her, to Caleb, who was doing the basil and cotton, and said, well, what about doing a tree? What, what about putting a hazelnut tree inside this, this, uh, this food computer? So we started building this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this, this hazelnut computer, uh, which is now we're done with the first uh, uh, prototype, uh, the smaller scale. And uh, it's still large, but it's a smaller scale. We're building a larger scale now, and uh, the, you know we've been successfully now uh, be able to to, to grow uh, and you know uh, smaller hazelnut trees, one year old right now, and uh, and now we are we should be finishing with a second prototype in a few months, and, uh, and at that time we would like to start this kind of um, a knowledge. Platform is really applying the platform business model to uh, uh, to uh, to this uh, this uh, uh, to knowledge, uh, and we hope we can attract a lot of scientists uh, intrigued by uh, the openness of this platform, the ability to compare data with other scientists, generate more knowledge around the hazelnut tree in an open environment where every every anybody would benefit, and of course uh, Ferrero would benefit as well because you know. Increase the quality availability of you. You know all of a sudden where to grow what, 
uh, how to adapt to climate conditions, how to uh, uh, establish uh, best practices, uh, how to breed the new varieties that, uh, that, that that can be more resilient and can also, uh, you know, the climate is clearly changing, so we need to think about, you know, uh, varieties that can adapt in a different ways at different environments. And so that's what the Hezina computer is about. I love that. And what's interesting is you're taking a core competency within Ferrero and thinking about it on much more of a macro level in terms of how that can be applied. So I think that's that's amazing, and I think that's helpful for listeners to kind of understand how they can use those same methodologies to, to spar innovation within their organization. So you mentioned technology, and I'm curious to find out from you, what excites you from a technology perspective in the CPG space? I mean, what what technology are you paying extra attention to? What do you feel are going to be relevant within the next, you know, two to three years? Well, uh, I mean, we, 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 take it short, we, we see a lot of, uh, um, lot of, I mean, I know it's now it's a buzzword, but a lot of AI uh, in, in uh, uh, which is very important. Um, we, we see AI machine learning uh, application or potential application all over the places in, in the supply chain uh, from uh, assisting in, uh, um, in formulating products to selecting the right materials for our packages to actually figure out uh, um, a, a best way to, to grow your crops. Uh, to predict uh, yield, the quality, and quantity. So we, we I mean, there is a AI is definitely um, uh, disrupting several fields, and uh, we definitely look for disruptors who can help us. Um, you know, obviously AI is is is, is, is we are far from general AI, but but you know there is still it's still very vertical, it's really very uh, successful when applied specifically to certain applications. And so uh, we, we constantly uh, look and find uh, disruptors in the space that are very, very interesting. So I, definitely this is going to have a, you know, a, a uh, it's going to be very disruptive from many, many perspectives. Another, another area where I think is uh, the interplay uh, between uh, consumer and technologies will uh, definitely um, impact uh, and, you know, uh, consumer behavior, shift consumer behavior probably is also very intriguing, very interesting. If you look at what what the um, uh, the world of personal health devices uh, is going to, uh, I'm very intrigued by, for example, the money that is being invested in uh, CGNs, continuous glucose uh, monitors. Uh, they, you know, that. I'm, I'm intrigued to see companies even like Apple and Google investing in them and, uh, uh, and really not just targeting diabetic population, but in general, at some point, I see them personal devices belonging to general consumers. And being a company that is in sweet packaged food, uh, I think it makes us, uh, um, it, it, it will definitely, uh, we need to understand uh, that how bad better leverage these technologies to help consumers better, make better choices, but also design the right products for, for those consumers. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, I you wonder, right, is that, is that, is that, is, that, is consumer, consumer going to focus 
uh, today they, they, they can focus when they make decisions related to their health uh, only to what they read on the package. And the uh, number of calories, which we know sometimes is not very meaningful because it really depends whether the calories come from sugars, from proteins, from fat. I mean, it's a, That's right. a different you know, metabolic response. So by, by, by consumers really seeing what happens to them in real time, they wonder how, if and how their consumer behavior, their, their behavior will, will, will change, will shift. And, and, and I think it's, that's going to have a strong impact on our, on our industry. And, 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 and that's, I think, is a positive endgame uh, because it will, it will put consumers more in control, but also will give, uh, uh, you know, uh, manufacturers like Ferrero, uh, a better uh, ability to serve them the appropriate way because it's not it's not just what you what you eat but what you need to understand what you eat does to you so that you can make uh, healthy choices and and that that's going to be that's going that's that to me is a very quality area if you combine that with what's happening in 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 uh, in the world of omics uh, in general uh, that allows you to understand our metabolic pathways a little bit better, our metabolic response a little bit better, uh, powered by the revolution in genetics. And they, all this will, will, will allow us to make better products and, and, and consumers to actually test what these products uh, will do to them. Good stuff. So if there was one tip that you could give listeners who are looking to drive innovation within their organization, what would that be? Well, I think a number one tip is that really try to understand the, the, the cultural boundaries in your organization because if you play as an outsider, you you cannot be impactful. You have to become an insider and still have a, an outsider mindset. And I would say also understand around that the momentum uh, that some innovation has versus others. Not all opportunities are equal. You need to... Uh, ride the momentum of, of the opportunities where you think that you can really push, establish those quick wins that allow you to build credibility, and then and then uh, and then leverage. And that's that's what that, that, those are my two cents. So, last question, most important question of the day: What's the one app on your phone that you can't live without? Uh, Google Maps for sure (laughs) (laughs) good stuff well I want to thank you for your time today Giovanni I think this was extremely insightful I know I learned a lot Um, it's always fascinating um, talking to various leaders in different industries but I thought you brought a perspective um, specific around some of the tactics related to innovation and how to incorporate that to uh, to in the corporations that I think the listeners are going to appreciate. So if there's anywhere the, the listeners can follow you online or through social media, um, do you want to share that? Uh, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan uh, these days of um, interacting with people through Twitter. My Twitter account is fairly silent. Uh, so there's not, I mean, there's not a, a, a only way. I mean, no many people contact me on LinkedIn on my, on my profile if they want to interact with me. Uh, so that's uh, I, I, very, it's very hard for, 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 for them to follow me. Um, in a in a um, non personal way, so I encourage 
people to get in touch with me and uh, and establish that personal relationship. If there is something interesting we can talk about, we can definitely um, interact that way. Fantastic. Um, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, it was truly a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to staying in touch with you. My pleasure, Adam. Remember to subscribe to Unlocking Innovation wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to rate and review. To stay up to date with EX3 Labs news and events, follow us on social media. We're at EX3 Labs. See you next time.